0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything, Dynasty Fantasy Football. With your host, John Bauer.
1: I'm looking to sell everybody price-dependent.
2: Dan Lamagna.
1: Too much
3: dysfunction in Cleveland.
2: And Mitch Sorensen.
3: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another
1: live episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. And tonight we finally have the entire gang back together. Mitch, he was on a short one-day hiatus. So, of course, I'm joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, guys?
3: I just want to remind everybody that we're doing the live show on YouTube, and I'm guessing on Twitter, too. On April 23rd, the first round will be live for the whole draft, and we have a whole bunch of guests coming on, and that's when we'll be doing the signed Saquon Barkley jersey giveaway.
1: Yeah, we're starting at 7 p.m., running through 11 p.m., and by the end, I think... You know, I I talked to our guest that's coming on at 1030 and I said, we might be a little turned up by then. And he said that he'd be in the same boat. So we're going to be in good company. And as always, we are joined by Dan LaMagna. That's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What is up, Dan?
2: Excited to be here. You know, just got off the Twitter feed. I'm trying to keep up with my friends, Des Bryant, McCall Hardman, and excited about tonight's guest who's tweeting as much as Des Bryant. Uh, It's going to be a fun night. Let's go, JB. I have to
1: see one of those pictures of you playing basketball one more time. I'm just, I think I have to block you on Twitter. I see that Nicole Hardman picture every day. I swear.
2: I'm mad. I was there by myself and I I didn't have someone to record my four points in that game. So just saying. Yeah. I I still
1: don't believe that. But like Mitch said, we have the live draft show coming up next week. uh, The Saquon Jersey giveaway. Before we introduce this week's guest and we have another great one lined up. I want to remind everybody that Mother's Day is right around the corner. Do not get stuck getting your mom or wife the same old flowers in a card. Instead, check out MyFrontPageStory.com. You'll have the chance to sit down and talk to an actual reporter who will write a fantastic story about your mom or wife, and it will look like it's from a newspaper. Plus, you don't have to leave the house for this gift, which is always a plus with everything that's going on. Again, that's MyFrontPageStory.com, and use code THEORY20 to get 20% off. Tonight, we are joined by one of the hosts of Bunk Bed Breakdowns on YouTube for BDGE, a writer for Dynasty League football, find him on Twitter at Mike Me Up with an extra P there at the end. Michael Liu. What's up, Mike?
0: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me, man. Long time listener of the show. So it's pretty cool to you
1: know shoot the shit with you guys. But we met each other in a league. What was that? It was last offseason. You were always probably one of the most talkative ones in there. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Like, and it would be like Mitch and Dan, Mike and I would get into some type of debate. And before I could respond, there were like four paragraphs. And I'm like, how fast? (laughs) Because I'm just like, I can't keep up with this guy. But then you really, I mean, in one year on Twitter, kind of a meteoric rise. Um, I mean,
0: I don't know if it's meteoric. There's guys doing much better than me, but I just, you know, I just enjoy it. I just have some fun, you know, do it, do what I can.
1: And that's what it's about. And I, you know, I appreciate your levels of activity. And just like Dan said, you're constantly on Twitter. (laughs) And I know it, it could be like, 2am here in pittsburgh and i'm on twitter i know that i can go back and forth with you and it's always appreciated (laughs) Um, you know especially after a few beverages makes it more fun but anytime absolutely so we the nfl draft it's nine days away so we're we're live here tonight we're going to be releasing the episode in a few days here on the itunes stitcher spotify feed with the draft approaching it's startup season it's been startup season for us pretty much since january but I want to spend a lot of the episode tonight talking about startups, you know, strategy, settings, things that we enjoy, things we dislike. And Mitch, Dan, and myself, we're constantly telling people our opinions. So it's always refreshing to have somebody new jump on the show that our listeners might not have had a chance to to listen to up to this point. So, Mike, start us off here. When you join a startup, what are your preferred settings? Um,
0: So uh, it has to be super flex. So that's like number one, because... One QP is just two plain vanilla. Um, And then I like to do some sort of tight end premium, you know, whether it's like 1.5 PPR, uh, preferably with the start two tight end, because that's like where actually tight end starts to matter. Like 1.5 single tight end premium don't really, doesn't really do much for anyone outside of like Kittle and and Kelsey and whatnot. And then I really like deep starting rosters. So uh, 10 to 11 or more. Um, And then right now, like I'm basically only joining Debbie leagues. So if it's not a Debbie league, I'm probably not joining.
1: For the most part there, you have pretty much reiterated everything we've talked about. Mitch, I don't think there's anything that you would add on top of that. That pretty much sums up what, you know, I know you look for when you join a league.
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. If, it, if I see that there's nine starting, you know, the starting lineup, I won't even join the league. There, <laughs> I just have no interest in it whatsoever.
1: Because, I mean, we've had a few league mates where we've done startups and we had nine players in your starting lineup. And then the commissioner, you know, a good friend of ours, he comes back and says, guys, you're right, I, we need to expand this. And we've, no, we didn't bump it up quite to 11, but still 10, a heck of a lot better than nine. Um, you know, and, and you have here that you, you like snake drafts over auctions. I know a lot of people that prefer auctions. It's like they kind of turn their nose up at snake yeah. drafts at this point. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I don't get it either, man. It's a little bit elitist for my liking. I mean, I've played both and I think both have their draws. But if you have a actively, like the one we're in, John, like the couple of leagues that we're in where you have a lot of active traders that are like on point and very active throughout the draft. There's like no better feeling than like either sitting there with your like, just like all tight, hoping your guy falls or like making moves to go up. I love that thrill. And like, I, I, I like, I see the allure of auction, but for me, man, just like a good active snake draft
2: does it.
1: Dan, have you taken part in any auction drafts?
2: I have. You know, last year was my first fix. I keep checking things off my fantasy football bucket list, trying all these different formats. And, uh, you know, I'm with you guys, snake draft all the way with just a little bit of auction in my life here, getting ready for an auction uh, rookie draft coming up. So I think it's good to experience it. But uh, I'm with Mike. There. There's nothing like a good snake draft.
1: And just like he said, as long as there's a certain level of activity, I know the big thing people prefer auctions because, well, you have a chance at every single player. In snake drafts. I, I saw one of your comments on Twitter, Mike, you responded to something similar to that. And that's kind of what sparked me to ask this to lead off the show. And you said pretty much you have a chance to get every player in a snake draft too.
0: It's like, I mean, it's like auction, right? You can get anyone you want to overpay for in a snake draft. If you want the CMC, go offer that guy three or four first and you'll get it, right? It's the same thing. Like, you know, if you offer your second and third round startup for like a first round pick is that more or less of your draft capital than, like, 50% of your budget, right? It's, it's the same thing. Just, like, you've got to overpay if you want a guy. It doesn't,
1: doesn't change It anything. doesn't matter what the format is. You, just like you said, you have to overpay to make sure you get the guy that you want. And Dan's kind of – he falls in that boat, especially if they're a Dallas Cowboy. You know he is going to pay an arm and a leg. Look, how many teams do you have that you have Dak, Zeke, and Amari Cooper on that team? And there snake All draft. of them,
3: too.
2: All of them. <laughs> you always get one or two leagues where I can't get all three of the triplets in, in that format, but I'm definitely 80, 90% shares of, of all three of their big studs there. Uh, but you know, I'm like Jerry, you gotta pay for what you want, what you want. And uh, you know, Mike Clay agrees with me from our last show, guys. It's 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 Dallas time. You <laughs> know, if if Dallas was not good right now, I promise you I would not have this many cowboys. <laughs>
1: All right. So you heard Dan's top strategy, get all the cowboys you can, but Mike, we want to hear your strategy. So you're in a startup and of course things are a little bit different league to league and if the settings are slightly different, but in general, what are some of the strategies that you really look to take into a startup draft?
0: Yeah. um, I mean, I wrote a bunch of points here, but I'll probably just cover them quicker. Uh, Number one, I'm I'm usually looking to trade down because like I said, in those deeper setting rosters with like 10 to 11 players, if you don't have depth, it really, really kills you. Like if you have too much invested in like the top studs and you're starting guys like, I don't know, Dante Pettis like last year, you you really get screwed. So I'm looking primarily to trade out of the first and even the second round most of the time to try and accumulate as many picks in those middle rounds as I can. And, you know, I put out a Twitter thread on this recently. I think like people don't realize the cascading effect that that one trade can have because what happens is you trade out of the first, you get like, call it a three, four, five, right? you now have two picks each in one of those rounds. And now you have more flexibility to trade back even more. And that third round pick turns into like a five and a six. And that fifth round pick turns into like a seven and nine. So by the end of the day, like I mapped this out for the DLF Champions League, I ended up giving up a first and a fifth. And I ended up getting a third, a fifth, a sixth, two sevenths, a ninth, a 20, 21 first and a twenty seconds. So you're looking at like building an entire team based off those types of trades. So that's kind of really what I love to focus on.
1: And I don't want to steal your thunder going into this next point, but you know, for the trading down aspect, I know Mitch and myself, we have been preaching that since we kicked off the show under the super flex, super flexology umbrella. It's been so long. I forgot how to say the name apparently, (laughs) but this next point you have, I completely agree with it. And the fact that you said trade down, get those extra draft picks in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. And it allows you to do this, but to go zero wide receiver.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, like when I did my rankings this year, um, I, w- I came out like super surprised because you, you'd name guys like, you know, McLaurin and you name guys like, uh, like DK Ridley. You'd be like, oh, these guys are all wide receiver twos in my book, right? But when you look at the ranks, there's about 30 something wide receivers that I'm totally comfortable starting as my wide receiver one, two, like, you know, got Robert Woods down there. So it's just like, I just can't consciously, like, every time I'm there and like a Devontae Adams falls the second round, I'm just like, I know it's value but I just can't click the draft button because I know what that does to my team construction. And like, if you think about the scoring differential, if I were to ask you what's the scoring differential on a points per game basis between Kenny Galladay and uh, Robert Woods, what would you guess? I would say one, one and a half, maybe zero. They both scored 15 and a half points per game last year and they're going three or four rounds apart. So it's like that, that type of value. If I'm trying to build to win, it just, just doesn't make sense to allocate resources up top to wide receiver.
2: And right Right now, go ahead, Dan how much does age factor that into you there when you're drafting when you, you like you listen Galladay and woods uh, I think there's a few years apart in yeah. age does it does that factor in that equation for you it, it, well, let me jump mean, in here does...
1: because Mike is the biggest ageist I have ever met
2: <laughs> all right so we <laughs> get along biggest.
0: there definitely it, it matters but also like I, I named Robert Woods but there's also guys like Calvin Ridley and stuff right who are also young and Kenny Galladay for, I mean, everyone knows he's like he's actually on the older side, so um, in that example, it probably wasn't the best example, but it matters. But at the same time, like, I think people take age way overboard for wide, especially for like wide receivers who are hitting like 28, because that's like the prime production. 28 to I think about 31 is when you're getting the majority of the points from the wide receiver position. So if I'm trying to win, like, I'm trying to score points at the end of the day, so I'm trying to get those points for as cheap as possible. And if you kind of apply that strategy every year there's going to be wide receivers hitting that age cliff that people perceive as bad, but you can always capitalize on value there.
1: Mitch, you just wandered away. I'm assuming there was a temper tantrum there behind you.
3: Yeah, my youngest is going to bed, and he's a little upset right now.
1: Well, he wanted to stay up to listen to Dynasty Theory, and I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame <laughs> him either. No. So so Mike was talking about wide receivers, and we, we look at these wide receivers that, that are a little bit older, and everybody likes to talk about the age cliff like Mike just brought up. And we've been messaging each other about the startups we're in and some of the wide receivers that are slipping to like wide receiver 19, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy the value you're getting.
3: Yeah, you're getting wide receiver ones at that point now. I mean, everyone loves the young studs, which is great. But if you want to win, you get Julio Jones in the seventh round and still be okay. <laughs>
1: yep. Right, Julio Jones, I mean, you talk about some of the young guys. I like Tyler Boyd. You mm-hmm. talk about Michael Gallup, Calvin Ridley. You mentioned Mike. Um, Dan... I think you're okay with this strategy because typically you like to pound running back early.
2: I do. I, I, when I looked at this top startup strategies, I, I knew this was going to be a fun one tonight. And in, especially when Mike joined us, I think he's definitely aligned with your strategy and Mitch's to, you know, a large degree. I think that's why we have a lot of fun in leagues together. And sometimes we make trades because on draft day, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of you guys. I mean, I definitely like the zero receiver from, you know, that running back heavy format. I, I agree with your points there, Mike. I get a little bit more nervous, though. I don't want to neglect the position. I look for a little bit more balance than, I'd say, zero wide receivers. But my mindset going into a startup draft starts with having a plan, knowing the scoring, and being organized. And I, I think that's always one of – probably all of our edges right out of the gates because we spend so much time on this. I'm working on year-round rankings now. I've never drafted so early, Mike, until getting connected to these two dudes here that like <laughs> I've never had so many startups in an offseason ever – organization definitely creates a bigger edge you know we talk about roster size hey the deeper that draft goes the more starters the better i think it's an edge if you're really organized but then from there i like to trade for extra early round capital these guys bust my chops all the time because i love trading the draft picks you know i I just think when the time comes if i want a draft pick i'm just going to trade for them so i don't need that pick right now um So I I go for a little bit more balanced. I want to get my studs early. I want to pay up for them like Jerry Jones. Cowboys are not
0: cowboys.
2: (laughs) And then, uh, you know, what, one gentleman's work I like is Joe Pisapia from the Black Book there. He has this RPV value there where you just gain edges by taking players in tiers. So I try to find edges throughout the draft, just having a little bit more of a balanced roster versus the zero wide receiver, but uh, definitely RB heavy as John notes. And uh, I do like going young, but just young, but a little bit more experienced than rookies.
1: We already talk about the, the going young aspect, which was one of your points here, Mike. Now, this next one, it's one that we might disagree to an extent. So, wh- why don't you tell us what your next one of your top startup strategies is? Uh, so,
0: this is I'd say this is something that I do like once every four leagues. I like to make that balance, but it's a productive struggle. I don't know if anyone knows what it is, but it's basically where you strategically tank the first year um and build around getting the running backs later and I I did this in the first league that I was in with you John uh where I basically just I constantly traded back traded back and I I don't think I drafted a running back till like the 12th round I took like Matt breeder or something like that and I built like a young core of wide receivers uh quarterbacks and uh tight ends and loaded up I think I left the draft with like four or five first round picks and I had another one throughout the year and you know this one's more of like uh it's just fun you know like because like when I'm drafting I never have to worry about any sort of like roster construction. I'm just like, I'm going to take the best player that I think is there because I'm not trying to win right now. So whatever's the best I'll take it. So that's why I kind of ended up with like zero running backs and it's not for everyone. And I don't do it all the time because it it is like, if you do miss on those rookie picks, you're totally screwed uh, next year, but it's, it's fun. It's interesting.
1: It is a fun build. And just like you said, you don't have to worry about, Oh, I got to take a wide receiver here because I want to fill out my starters. You're going to lose in year one. And that's something that Mitch and Dan, whether it's year one, year two, they're definitely used to losing, but (laughs) what I had to guys. I had to, but Mitch, I know you kind of have some thoughts here on the productive struggle and you've tried this in at least one league I know of.
3: Yeah. I've done it probably seven or eight times now, and it's worked out really well two or three times, but the five other times I've done it, like those leagues are going to take me four or five years to even make anything out of them. So it makes me wonder if I would have just drafted those eight leagues as I normally do, if I would end up more profitable because of it. Because as much as we love Dynasty, I kind of want to make a profit out of it. And this is the first year that I haven't had a productive struggle team because I just kind of want to see how it works out moving forward. So I still have the other ones that are still, I have one in the league that I'm at Dan in. I mean, I've had his first in every single year so far, and I've already traded for his 2021 first. So I still have those leagues to see how it's going to work out moving forward. And so far, I'm kind of hesitant to do it again, but you know, we'll see how it goes.
1: Well, let me ask you, because we look at the 2020 and 2021 classes and they're stacked and there's no question about it. And it's not some well-kept secret. So did you do this maybe in 2018, 2019, and it just didn't um, materialize? Maybe if you would have done it you know, moving forward, you might have a different perspective. And obviously we don't know that yet because 2020 and 2021 haven't happened yet. But maybe you'd be whistling a different tune two years from now if you would have just done that starting today.
3: Uh, That's a really good point. I mean, just look at the running backs that came out last year. We have like Miles Sanders, Jacobs, and, Darrell you know, Henderson. exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing there to where this year we're six deep that I would be completely okay. Having, you know, who knows after a year in the NFL, if I'll feel the same way, but I didn't feel that way about the 2019 class going into it. So I, I probably could have just been a year off. I tried to build off weaker draft classes when I should have been doing it, you know, with strong dra- draft classes moving forward. Yeah. That's certainly something to to keep in mind. And
1: Dan, I don't think you've ever taken this route of productive struggle. Not not to say it's, it's it's not right. What you do, because I think you had a very successful 2019.
2: Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart right now. My my rosters continue to be profitable. They continue to be competitive. And it's one of those things where if I see that start to decline, then I'll probably look to keep some of that draft capital and and rebuild if I have to, but right now what I'm doing is working. So I'm, I'm standing pat. I'm not as brave as Mike here. Just win baby. Just win. You got it.
1: Now, this last point, I pound the table for for this strategy, mm-hmm. but I'm going to let you kick us off here, Mike.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't go early QB that often, but when I do, I just keep smashing it every single round. And the reason why is because... Like, I think in order for you to create a market, you got to monopolize a certain asset. So whether that's super flex quarterbacks, whether that's tight ends and tight end premium, just whether that's running backs and non-tight end premium, non-super flex, like you got to pick an asset and just corner the market because then people have to come to you to trade. And that artificially inflates the value because no one else can trade with them. So (laughs) this is like a really fun one. And I just started like a... I guess it's called a medium stakes, like a $500 league for uh, BDG. And that's exactly what I did. I just like hammered quarterbacks of the first four or five rounds. And then I'm going to collect on that money, like, you know, in season six months from now.
1: Now, the only issue in Mitch and I, we cone a few teams together. There was one league that actively in the chat, people were basically blacklisting us. And yeah. they, oh, know, they were, pissed. We had people say, <laughs> do not trade with Mitch and John. They try to monopolize the quarterbacks. And we did, I think we took seven in that draft. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't get we, we got a little unlucky due to variance. I'm going to say that's the the reason there in the playoffs last year. We lost in the semifinals. But out of sixty teams, we led the entire league in points because we were able to capitalize. We ended up with Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. We also had Lamar Jackson. So that helped a little bit. But I absolutely love this strategy. but let let me ask you a question, Mike. So let's say you're in a startup and you take a quarterback early and in your mind, you're like, okay, maybe this is the route I'm going to go. But you see early on it's not the most active of leagues. Yeah. Does that maybe deter you to change up your strategy so you don't look to monopolize the position?
0: Yeah, that definitely impacts it. And the reason why I did it in this league is I know it's super active. Um And like, I got that like immediately right off the way before we even finished, like the first two rounds, there was already like six trades. I'm like, okay, this is like the path I'm going to take. And at the same time, I'm still not like reaching, you know, like, like I, Deshaun Watson fell to me at 2.8 after I traded out of the first. So that was an auto click. And then Carson Wentz fell to me in like the third round. So that was another auto click. So it's still like at the end of the day, you're still kind of looking for some sort of BPA where you're not reaching. But like if the value is there, like I'm always monopolizing if the trade activity is heavy.
1: And we take part in a lot of the the safe leagues that Scott Fish runs. They're fantastic leagues. We really like the format. They're super flex. We take part in the tight end premium. Some of them aren't tight end premium, but the ones we take part in are. And I know, Mitch, you've been hammering the tight ends in a lot of your startups this year.
3: Yeah, I used to not trade up. I used to be the guy to be, hey, trade out of the first. But now if I have a top five pick, I'll take... You know Barkley or Zeke or whoever's there. And then I will trade up later and take Kittle every time I can. And if I'm picking later in the draft, I will get Kittle first and I will pray I could get Kelsey in the second Mm -hmm. round. Or if not, I'll get Ertz later. But if you have it, because those are 2.0 premium leagues. So when you have those two points, if you have one of the top five tight ends, you're already ahead. But if you have two of them, you pretty much guarantee yourself a playoff spot just off of that. So I've been doing that as much as I possibly can, but everyone else is trying to do the same thing. So I can very rarely get two of them, but I always at least get one of them.
1: Or you can be in one league and Mitch, I sent you the screenshot in the group chat today. We were entering the sixth round and people didn't know it was tight end premium. So I, I, <laughs> I, I took two tight ends early and Mike, we have battled on this, but you know, one of them was Austin Hooper because I love me some Hooper. I, <laughs> I, I I've, I've named myself the Hooper scooper because I scoop him up in every <laughs> league I can. Um, You know, so, so back to the resource monopolization, Dan, this is another one. You're pretty much, you're a straight, straight shooter over there. You know, your startups, you're pretty, you, you play it by the book here. I I don't know. Is this something you really do? You look to accumulate a a bunch of quarterbacks and super flex tight ends and tight end premium, or you, you look to round out your roster for the most part, I think.
2: Yeah. It kind of goes against my strategy. Now don't get me wrong. I I am keeping eyes on rosters during the draft. And if I have an opportunity to, you know, I I see John Bauer needs a tight end and I could snake him. I'm going to, (laughs) and you know, I'm going to seize the, seize the moment, but you know, I have flashbacks of our, I think two fifty four league, John, where you were, getting quarterbacks every other round and i was like holy cow so to me i'm thinking all right i'm getting an advantage on john because he's going too quarterback crazy but it's really going to be dependent on the success of your trades and, and what you do in that league so so there's a lot of variables i'd rather keep balanced and again I'll, I'll take an extra guy i'll get an advantage if i see the league is slacking you know if i could stack some extra tight ends i'll definitely make it a strength of mine but i prefer to stay a little more balanced
1: now, all of the the startups that we're in right now, oh, for the most part, the rookies are included, especially in the safe leagues or the DLF uh, uh, champions leagues. Now, Mike, when you look at these rookies in these startups, do you find yourself able to acquire whether it's the higher end assets, the middle tier or lower tier? How do you compare your values to your league mates in most of these startups?
0: Yeah, I'd say uh, I'm probably higher on the high-tier running backs, and then I'm probably lower almost everywhere else. Um, So, like, I'm really gonna have any rookie wide receivers. Like, I got I got Jalen Rager in like one league, and that's probably the only rookie wide receiver that's in like the first round that I drafted. Just because I think people, it's just it's just going too high. Like at that point, I'd rather have like a proven wide receiver. But I'm I'm higher on like Jonathan Taylor and like DeAndre Swift, and I'm lower on everything else
1: you know i always like having guests on because it gives a different perspective but i don't i would say 95% of the points that you've had so far i'm right on board so i can't even give a different perspective be, you know and if you and i are lining up it's got to be a great strategy
3: right yeah it's got to be man the winning strategy
0: <laughs> i don't know uh, cuz i'm
3: completely opposite what i find myself doing at startups right now is i will trade my 2021 first and I will try to target Justin Jefferson or someone in that range because they're still going in the seventh or eighth round where you see people trying to trade um, their startups for a little bit later than that. So I'm willing to spend my 21 first, get Jefferson now because I think you know he's going to be a mid to late 2021st in rookie drafts. And so I'm willing to spend my draft capital next year in order to get him this year. And it gives me one more pick during the draft. You know, and sometimes just having that one more player that you could start every single week can put you ahead of the other teams that aren't willing to do that.
1: And where do you see yourself sitting closer to Mitch, closer to Mike and myself?
2: I have a lot of thoughts on this, guys. (laughs) I I
1: see your head spinning right now.
2: The smoke is coming out of the headphones here. And even going back a little bit to the last question of capitalizing on positions, I'm relying a little bit more on my evaluations you know, I think back to last year, you talk about stacking tight ends. I was really higher on Mark Andrews than others, and that paid off. So I didn't have to take five tight ends because I had the tight end that I needed to last year. And you're not always right, um, you know. but I'm kind of putting some stock in that. When it comes to this year's rookies, although I'm very high on this class, I'm lower overall in the drafts. I, I think Mitch talks about this all the time, how people get rookie fever, and they are just taking them way too high. So I'm not getting the Taylors and the Swifts. Um, I am getting some Lamb and Judy. So maybe I'm a little bit more level in that area. Not a lot, but I'm getting some. Um, but I have more value on returners than reaching on rookies. You know, But I do like Mitch's take there of trading next year's draft capital for the investment this year. That falls in line with what I'm looking to do. I, I want the production now. I'll trade off my production later. And if there's someone I like down the road, like I said, I'm just going to buy it. I'll find a way to get it.
3: Well,
1: Mitch's point there, I think that depends on the league and the league mates that you have because the the value of future rookie picks is always so wide and there's so much variance. Some people say it's a sixth in superflex startups. Some people might say it's a 10th and then some, it depends on which players are still available, but the, it all depends on the league you're in and who you're in the league with, I think. Let's jump right into a few players and I have three questions here that I pose to all three of you. And depending on time, We might not get to one of them, but let's see what we can get through here, guys. So, Mike, let's start with you. One player that the Dynasty community might perceive as a sell high that you might see as a buy high. Yeah,
0: I originally put the 1.01, the rookie 1.01 here, but I might as well just put in Jonathan Taylor because that's my rookie 101. Uh, I think, like, you know, people are – I see a lot of Twitter going back and forth saying, like, he's getting taken too high in startups. He's going in the second round, mid-second rounds, and honestly, I'm – totally comfortable taking him there. Like whenever he's there, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And the DLF champions, I took him at 3.01. And I thought that was value. Um, but yeah, I think, I think people just like, uh, there's a little bit scared because of landing spot and all that stuff. But I think like if he gets a anywhere, decent, remotely good landing spot, I think he's gonna be a first round startup pick come August.
1: So right now, again, we take part in a lot of the safe leagues and Scott fish put out some ADP from leagues, you know, actual leagues where money's being thrown around And I think it's almost 50 leagues, the sample size. Mm -hmm. So in those leagues, Jonathan Taylor's going running back eight. I actually feel very comfortable taking him there. So Mike, just like you said, most of the time that's mid to late second, the running back going immediately after him is Josh Jacobs. In my mind, you look two years down the road, especially with Jacobs injury concerns. I think Jonathan Taylor has a better chance of being valued significantly higher than Jacobs two years from now. So I actually, I like your pick here. And then you had one more guy that I, oh. I I wish I could disagree, but I don't I don't think I can.
0: Uh, DJ Moore, you know, everyone <laughs> he's like wide receiver six, whatever it is. Like I, I just don't think he's high enough. I mean, the age adjusted production is pretty incredible. Like you know, he was a wide receiver one last year. If he just like finished the finished the season, he played fourteen games with seven points away from wide receiver one at age twenty two. Um, you know, I love the new the new coaching regime that's coming in, um, and and I I don't I'm not someone that views DJ Moore as like he's going to hit that like wide receiver one overall, but I view him as like a perennial, like mid to low wide receiver one. And I value that pretty hot,
3: pretty highly.
1: And I'll be the first to admit Mitch and myself all last year, we were on the, and you saw this debate constantly on Twitter, Curtis Samuels, the better value there. You know, we can't hit them all. I think that might've been our only miss last year. We had one or two last year. I missed on that one, maybe. Right. But, you know, I, I think that's another good one. Guys, do you have any thoughts on Jonathan Taylor, DJ Moore, when I posed this question, that was kind of what I was looking for And Mike, Mitch, Dan and myself, we have a group chat for the show, you know, running 24 seven pretty much. Mm-hmm. And we actually got, it got a little heated earlier today behind the scenes. I wish we could, we could do like a little segment of some <laughs> of those messages, not say for, uh, you know, the PG 13 audience <laughs> at times, but you know, so Mitch, just get into your player here because I actually, you're bailed out a little bit because of the way this question is phrased. So I'm going to let you have this one.
3: All right, so I read, I only read half of what you put down anyways. <laughs> yeah. So I saw someone that you sell that people are selling high on. So my first thought was Adam Thielen right off the bat because I am grabbing him in every league that I'm in, every startup on it I'm in. I'm trying to draft him. Right now he's going as wide receiver 28 in those Scott Fish startups, in the, sorry, safe league startups. And he's turning 30 before the season. And so of course that's the reason why he's dropping down because he's- Wait, he's turning now. 30 what? 30, 30. 30 before the season. Oh, 30 before. Okay. okay. Sorry. Sorry. I I talk a little fast. My bad. (laughs) So in 2019, we know he got injured. After about week seven, he was pretty much useless after that. But in 2018, he had 1,300 yards. In 2017, he had 1,200 yards. And one big thing about Thielen is his price already has someone else coming baked into it there's either going to be a rookie or it's going to be BC Johnson, who we really could care less as the wide receiver too. (laughs) But even if they have, let's say they draft a first round wide receiver, I'm not worried about that wide receiver taking out of Thielen's market share moving forward. So I think for the next three years before 2019, he played in every single game for the previous five years for 16 games, every single year. And I don't think we need to worry about his health moving forward. It was just one of those fluky seasons and he's just someone I'm willing to buy. Even week seven last year in that new offense, he was averaging 15 points a game, which is good for a top 15 season in the league. And I just think he's a super easy buy right now for how cheap he is. And the
1: first part of that question bailed you out because he's most certainly not a buy high if you're going wide receiver 28, I see that as a buy low and it kind of got into a little battle of semantics there in the wording. And Dan, I'm still not sure. I'm, I'm buying your guys here, unless you changed them <laughs> on me, but who, who do you have as a guy that the community perceives as a sell high that you're willing to actually buy high on?
2: So your great minds think alike. and Mitch and I were in similar wavelengths tonight. Now, Mitch, you know, he admits openly, he doesn't read half of your, your show notes, John. You know, he, he takes what he needs there. Myself, I read all of your show notes, but I think you speak this different language. Mike, he's got like this terminology for fantasy football. I'm trying to, I'm still learning all the fancy jargon that he throws out there and then trying to learn all the these people in the Twitter universe that I never heard of before, you know? So I'm catching it up with it all. But now that we've went in depth, we had our battle in the group chat, all right? I probably would have went with a DJ Moore. I love Mike's take there. That takes me back to last year, and, and I'll just carry over from last year to this year. DJ Moore, George Kittle, at that age, how high they are, I'm still buying them, and I'm willing to pay, and I think they deserve their rankings and even more. So if we're going in that direction, John, they would be my guys. But for the sake of the show notes and the work put into it, I'm still in the top 100 fantasy players, which which isn't chop liver, in, in that Adam <laughs> Thielen range there. And I'm on this Marlon Mack kick for the last few weeks. And I know everybody, Mike, hear me out, Mike. The mic's falling off his chair over there. (laughs) Now, now, there's rationale here. I understand scoring and he's not the big pass catcher and there's concerns about the Colts. I get all that. But they had all those concerns about Derrick Henry last year. Everyone was avoiding Derrick Henry because of the same reasons. Well, Mr. Derrick Henry Jr., Marlon Mack, who's 24 years old with a top O-line and a free agent year and a Colts roster built to win now where everyone's selling him, I'm just gobbling them up in, a, in every league. And I think he's going to have a very productive Derrick Henry Jr. type of year. So that, that puts me on Marlon Mack. And then I threw James Conner in a show note just because it was only a year ago that people were deciding between him and Dalvin Cook. It was yeah. Conner or Cook just one season ago. And the guy's like throwing logs in the woods over his head. He's built like Hercules. He's working hard. He's only 24 years old and everyone wants to sell him. So I'm, I'm, I'm buying them. So that's why those guys were in my class, JP. I'm
1: just saying, you look at the question that I posed, <laughs> neither that they, they were, they're not sell highs. They're not buy highs. Yeah. They might be a, actually, they could be a very good answer to the following question. You should have just flipped it here, but You know, I I like Marlon Mack plenty. We talked about it when Ross was on the show and running back 25. I actually, I'm okay investing him at that price, but again, just not really following the, the script here, but that's all right. Dan always keeps me on my toes. So I appreciate that. We have Adam Thielen, Marlon Mack, and then Mike, you and I, we see eye to eye here because the way you answer that question, that's what I meant when I posed it. But again, Mitch, Dan, they don't, they don't read my show notes. (laughs) It's nice that somebody does. So let's go to the next question. Mitch, we're going to start with you because actually I like this one. I'm on the other end. So I think this actually is a good one. One player, the dynasty community perceives as a buy low that you want nothing to do with.
3: So everyone is still buying Kareem Hunt and I, for the life of me, can't understand why he turns 25 before the season. So before he even gets an opportunity, he's going to be 26 by the time he's out of the contract next year. He's being drafted before guys like Mark Ingram, David Johnson, Daryl Henderson, Damien Williams, and that's even before the rookies like Zach Moss and everybody else. So he's going to be 26 going into the 2021 season. You are praying he's going to have a Kenyon Drake kind of landing spot because that's the only way he's going to even come close to returning any value. Right now, I think the only thing he does is he hampers Chubb's value more so than he actually is improving his own, because his value is already going to be capped. He is not going to be the number one in that offense. He doesn't have any chance to being the number one in that offense. John, I see you ready. I I've been working on not
1: interrupting you because I know I do it, and when I start going and going and going, I can't be stopped. I'm like a freight train. But you you talk about the running backs that are going behind him, and then you say, well, Kareem Hunt's going to be 26, you know, when this mm-hmm. contracts up. Mark Ingram's going to be 48 next week. Uh, you know, Daryl Henderson, he's awful. Damian Williams, he's 27. I like Damian Williams. so I don't know if this is just you and your love for Damian, and you're upset that Kareem's going ahead of him. I, I think in, you're saying he's not going to be a, a true number one. He doesn't need to be at running back 30.
3: Well, but everyone being drafted after him has a higher ceiling already than him, especially in the 2020 season. And we only look at, especially all these running backs, and Hunt should be included. Two-year window, man. I that's all we're looking for. In his two-year window, he's not the number one guy. There is not a team in the league next year that at 26 is going to be like, hey, I'm going to give Kareem Hunt a whole bunch of money when they could just go draft. As much as we love the rookies this year, the rookies next year are just as good as the ones this year.
2: Or I'm still a guy. 24-year-old James Conner or a 24-year-old Marlon exactly. Mack who will be testing the free agent market, <laughs> who stay out of trouble. They're not dysfunctional like Kareem Hunt. I'm with <laughs> M- I'm with Mitch, J.B. No,
1: I but it's going too high. It is somebody that the community perceives as a buy low. I'm I'm trying to get him. I'm not actively pursuing him in existing leagues, but in startups at that price, I'm okay with it. Mike, you've been quiet over there. What are your thoughts on Cream Hunt? Are you on the the buy low side or are you avoiding him? Uh, I'm kind of just like
0: I'm not avoid I'm not actively avoiding him or actively buying him. Like if I'm sitting there and he falls like way too far in a draft, I'll take him, but I'm not out here like trying to send offers trying to acquire him uh for some of the reasons you know that mitch said like uh you know if i'm trying to get a running back i'm usually trying to add a running back to win and i don't i don't don't really see how he really adds to my opportunity to win versus like paying up for someone else has more upside to actually like lead a role somewhere
1: all right very good and i'm i'm looking at our our pictures here on the the video chat and I'm laughing in my head. My hat's like getting further and further back. (laughs) The more I get riled up, the further back it goes. So Kareem Hunt, I do think that's a good one because obviously it is divisive. You have people that are looking to buy low, whether it's existing or startup. And there's people that whether you're actively or inactively just kind of, you know, nothing to do with him. Dan, let's bounce over to you because I like this one that you have on here as well, because while his price is still high, especially in tight end premium leagues, it is lower than it was last year, and especially if there were no injury concerns.
2: Yeah, I listed Evan Ingram, and he's just a guy I'm completely avoiding. You know, years ago, a few years ago, I liked him. He's this young guy, he's you know in that DJ Moore age category there. Uh, but he just can't stay healthy. And I, I want durable guys on my roster. And at the price point, he's going. Although I can see people thinking, okay, this is value, they're still high on Evan Ingram. You know, this receiving tight end, Giants offense could be on the upswing. Uh, The guys drafted drafted around him, Julio Jones, Aaron Rodgers, C.D. Lamb and Judy, D.K. Metcalf, Kenyon Drake, depending on what position you need, I'm taking any of those guys, and I'm going to be very happy later on getting Noah Fant, Hunter Henry. You know, there's a lot of upside tight ends uh, in the drafts this year. So I'm going to pass on Evan Ingram and his, you know, 11 games played eight games played the last couple of seasons and go elsewhere
1: i love evan ingram but there is a concern there that you're paying that tight end five price especially in tight end premium leagues and you're going to have to use maybe a third or fourth round draft pick in startups if i do have an evan ingram i've been locking up caden smith in any league i can just because he's a dirt cheap option but yeah evan ingram it it is concerning the injuries one more
2: one more point there, too, you know, have, have watching him twice a year in the NFC East when he is healthy and playing. I'm, I'm more I'm becoming more concerned about the Darius Slaytons and the Sterling Shepherds. And I'm just starting to get that overrated feeling for Ingram. I could be wrong. I know he's a talented athlete, but I'm just not scared of him anymore. And so he's he's continuing to slide and I am avoiding him. You won't find him on any rosters.
1: Fair enough. Now that might just be because he's a giant, and you're it doesn't
2: hurt. You're a but... Crazy Cowboys <laughs> fan. Now,
1: Mike, I like the player that you have here because shameless plug in a Fantasy Pros article that I recently wrote. I have this running back as I have him as a sell prior to the NFL draft for a few reasons. But you have him as somebody that's seen as a buy low that you don't you want nothing to do with.
0: Yeah, it's Leonard Fournette. And, you know, a lot of people, the the most common argument I get is he's a workhorse and he had really bad luck in the red zone. And, look, I get it but I, I did like a TD regression study like a while back. And when I really dug into things like why he wasn't scoring touchdowns, he did have some bad luck. Don't get me wrong, but he's been on that decline like ever since his rookie year. And it's because their O line is just absolutely terrible. Like that, the Jacksonville O-line went from like top 10 to like 15th to 29th this year. So you can kind of see why he's struggling. And when I watch him play, the guy's just like got no juice. Uh, like he's always getting caught from behind. And then now like, Jacksonville is selling off defensive players like hotcakes. So it's just like it's a whole mixed bag of stuff. And then on top of that, like he had 100 targets. He had 100 targets to get to where he was this year. What are the chances of him getting 100 targets again? Just look at what happened to Zeke when they added real pass catchers. If Jacksonville drafts like wide receivers, I just don't see him holding that volume. So as much as people want to buy on the positive TD regression that they think can take place, I think I'm just pretty much out at all prices.
2: The, no that's idea. a good take, JB. You know, I, I just gotta interfere because you know I'm friends with Leonard Fournette. And um oh, there, no. there is some juice. I played basketball with him in Texas. I just want to throw that out there. So I mean, he's hustling, he's in shape, he's conditioned. But yeah, the Jaguars line is horrible and atrocious. And every every other take was good. But there is some juice there, Mike. But he's more of a power back. It's
1: how you use him. <laughs> but uh, you, ahead, you look at you look at the running backs behind him on the, the depth chart, but you know, Raquel Armstead. And then it's pretty much non-existent with the draft capital they have and the way they're blowing it up. I'd be shocked if they didn't bring another running back in and maybe let Leonard Fournette walk after this season. So the leagues that I have him in, I've been trying to sell them. I haven't been too successful for getting the return necessary that I'm looking for. And in any startup this off season, I haven't taken him once. So uh, Mike, again, we're completely aligned here on what you're bringing to the table bouncing to the last question here so we did have enough time last question here one player that you're selling low as you believe their value is going to continue to fall and mike get us started here
0: so for me it's aaron Rodgers. Uh, obviously we're in a super flex podcast so we've got to talk about quarterbacks a little bit but i just don't see his value like climbing it's actually like mind blown to me that he's still being taken as like a top 10 top 12 dynasty quarterback because like people complain about jared goff busting right people complain about how he boom bust he is Aaron Rodgers is way more boom bust than Jared Goff was last year like Aaron Rodgers was scoring you outside of the top 20 quarterbacks over half the time so he's like basically unstartable most of the time so I think he's a name where I'm just gonna let him keep falling like I don't have money in rosters if I did I'd be dumping him for what I could get right now
1: he's another guy in startups this offseason I don't think I've taken him in one mm-hmm. you know you look you can get Matthew Stafford two rounds later in startups yeah. And yeah. straight up, I might actually prefer Stafford.
0: I
3: definitely prefer Stafford. I completely do. And he's someone you... The problem with Aaron Rodgers is you can't trade him because no one really wants him and no one wants to pay enough for you to trade him. So you just kind of end up stuck with him.
1: You know, the, the way this question was posed, you do have to sell low on him if you want to unload him mm-hmm. or have him die in your roster. And it might only take a few years because he's he's getting up there. Now, Mitch, you went a little bit younger and I'm I'm excited for this one because I know... I know this is a guy that Mike liked at least throughout 2019. So Mitch, who do you have here?
3: I liked him too. He was my wide receiver one last year, but it's in kill in I can't talk right now, but it's in- Harry. In-Kill. In-Kill. But so it's Harry. He's leaving the board right now at wide receiver 42. And my issue with him is he did absolutely nothing last year. He had some injuries, but I look at him just like our Sega Whiteside is someone who I'm worried you'll never be able to get that draft capital back out of. And I would rather try to get out now than in the future. And especially without Tom Brady there, we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. And with Tom Brady being quarterback, we haven't seen wide receivers be really fantasy relevant there outside of Edelman Moss and Wes Welker. I mean, that's really all that they've had. The tight ends have been fine. The running backs have been fine, but Once you get out of those three, the wide receivers have kind of always been crap. And I'm not entirely sure if Harry is the guy who lacks separation, who has to win, you know, the high point of the ball, if that's someone I want to keep going forward. Because, you know, I thought Brady was going to still be here this year. And with him gone now, I'm just going to try to sell and I will sell for whatever someone will give me. I'm going to ask, so you guys, would you rather take Michael Pittman or and kill Harry right now in a draft? Here, Mike, okay. answer
1: that question because I know you like Harry. They kill Harry. Would you?
3: Yeah. Um,
0: look, I, I totally get it. it's a it's a huge risk and wide receivers that fall on their face and you're one typically you know typically continue to bust but also most wide receivers that do fall on their face don't have the same profile that Harry has and I'm 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 not a uh, I love to watch football but I can't say I have much knowledge on the film film uh, film review like you guys do so for me i really like to rely on the college profiles and i like to give them the time to develop and if we look at Nikhil harry um and i don't really compare him as closely to like prior bus because his analytical profile is so strong like he's in that upper echelon of like the elite of the elite like the amari coopers of the world so for me it's like Can I see him follow like a Demarius Thomas type path where he's a really good athlete and has to develop over time to get there? And I think that he can. But also, I I think Brady leaving is a good thing. And I'm a Patriots fan. I love Brady. That that man is God to me. But he just doesn't trust rookies, right? And you need someone that's willing to throw you the ball. Like he even said, look, if I don't trust him and you put him out there, I'm just not going to throw it to him. I was just saying in the limited action that I did see from Harry, you saw like some of the traits that I did like in college, like what he could do with the ball in his hands. If you, if you gave it to him in space and make some plays. So I'm still in on Harry at his current price, but I definitely recognize
2: it's a risky proposition. I'm going to kind of split the difference here and go somewhere in the middle. And I can see both your points. And I think this situation remains fluid. You know, we look at this category of seeing him keep falling. He may fall for another year, You know, Mitch makes that point of, you know, who's throwing to him. You know, if it is Stidham, who's still developing. You know, we talked on our show with Ross Tucker where we're concerned about, you know, these rookies make that big jump jump from year one to year two. With what's going on in the world today, if he doesn't get that offseason time that he needs, it might be another slow start this year. It may take a little bit longer. But I think some positives to Mike's point is, you know, the last two games of the year, he was the most targeted Patriots receiver. So he started getting a little bit more volume. Brady was praising him, saying the kid's working his tail off. He's coming along. I'm pleased with him. So, like, and I don't think he would just throw that out there lightly. I mean, uh, Brady's a straight shooter in that regards. So, I think to Mitch's point, it's I think he is going to fall a little bit before he rises, but I wouldn't bail on him in the dynasty world. I think there is a future there.
1: Now, looking at the wide receiver going immediately after him in startups, so you have Nikhil Harriet, wide receiver 42, right after him. It's another player coming out of college, very high profile. Injuries to start his career. It's Mike Williams. So I'm going to open this up to all three of you very quickly. Dan, who do you prefer straight up, Harry or Mike Williams right now in Dynasty?
2: I'm a Mike Williams guy, so I'm going to stay on brand there, and I believe in Mike Williams.
1: Mike, are you still sticking with Harry?
2: Yeah, it's Harry for me. Mitch? Jameson Crowder? (laughs) <laughs> no, no,
0: no, Mike Williams. I'll take
1: Williams. I also will take Mike Williams, but I I do understand Mike. You know where you're coming from in the college profile and the the metrics and measurables. It, 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 we might have to give him a little bit more time because of the injuries we saw last year. But uh, wide receiver forty two, little risk there if you're investing now as opposed to last year, where I know he was. 103, 104, maybe in Superflex rookie draft. So the price has dropped significantly. Dan, bring us home here. And uh, I'm skeptical of your answer here, but let's hear it. One player that you're selling low that you believe is going to continue to lose value. And I mean, let's hear it, Dan.
2: For me, it just comes from a dynasty perspective. You know, I have the age issue like all of us. And when I, when I mentioned Drew, Drew Brees right now, who I know New Orleans is all in, and I, I think he could have one last season. But that, that TV deal with NBC for after he retires this year, it just tells me this is it. This is the last run for Drew Brees. So if you don't sell him now, guys, you're eating him. And I don't want to get stuck with a guy that has any kind of value left. So if I could get something for Drew Brees now, I'm going to do it. If I could add something and get Tom Brady, who might get me two years, fine. if I can get something younger, even better. But I'm selling on Drew Brees because I think it's only going to fall. There's, there's, We've seen his ceiling. This this is the end of the road.
1: To, in your defense, in startups, he's actually going quarterback 23 in that sample size of 50 startups we referred to, a round ahead of Teddy Bridgewater, two rounds ahead of uh, Gardner Minshew, two rounds before Brady, four rounds before Ben Roethlisberger, which blows my mind because one two-year outlook for both of them Give me Ben at his price compared to Drew Brees. But well again, Dan, we're gonna let you skate by here with that answer, even though also Drew Brees, he's turning 73 next year. So
2: you know. I, I don't want to buy one year of production in a startup. I don't. No, you know, no unless that, it's at a super value where it slid so late that it makes sense. I don't want it. So in, in
1: super flex leagues right now, would you just to get him off your plate, let's say somebody offers you a late second, would you take it?
2: As long as I don't need that to win this year. So, again, I'm not going to give it away, but I'm going to work hard to get some value that's going to help me. You know, I want to win now and build for the future. All
3: right. So, About a month ago, I traded Breeze, and I added a 21 second to pick up Thielen. And I definitely probably overpaid for Thielen, but I also didn't want Breeze just to die on my team, like Dan was saying, so he just hit the bullet at that point.
1: you remember who your other quarterbacks were in that league?
3: Yes, I sure do. Minshew, Stafford, and Wentz. All right, that's fine. So I was fine. I'll allow
1: it. All right, so just a few guys, you know, kind of like a contrarian take, the community saying to do this, we're bringing players to the table where we're looking at it from a different perspective. Now, one last thing to wrap it up, just a little fun segment. We're all in startups right now, and there's always things happening in startups, and we look at startup etiquette. So Mike, I, I want you to run through these. And you can spend a little more time because I know Mitch, he has a few talking points on at least one of these, but if it's a one word answer, great. If you want to elaborate, that's fine too. The three of you have not seen these questions, um, but Mitch already knows one of them just because we have talked about this question time after time. So Mike, you have a person, they pop into the chat and they say, hey guys, I'm really busy, I'll pick soon. But they they let you know, they were able to get in the chat and then they continue to run the clock down they bounce back and hey guys i'm still really busy i'll pick soon do you have an issue with that type of behavior
0: yeah i mean just be straight up you know if you're if you're trying to wait and want to see some offers just say it you know don't say like i'm busy and make stuff up like you know if i'm if i'm like about to if i'm like responding to someone when i'm mid talks and i need the clock to pause i'll just say hey guys I'm talking to someone, so I'm gonna wait till tomorrow. like, sorry about it. But you know, just don't say like I'm busy doing stuff because like everybody has five seconds to just pull out and you know, do do what it is to draft if you actually want to draft.
1: i I always refer to that person as the busiest person in the world. and i I had a tweet last off season. I was like, You never know how boring your life is until you're in a startup because somebody pops in like, hey guys, I'm taking a quick trip to the moon real quick, but I'll pick as soon as I get back. I'm like, I haven't left my couch in two weeks, especially now I really haven't left my couch. So I literally have my phone up constantly. Once I get the alert, boom, I'm picking if I don't have a trade lined up. Now this next one, it's going to get Mitch fired up. But Mike, is table talk okay during a startup? So, oh, I can't believe that. Player X hasn't been taken yet. Is that okay?
0: Yeah. yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't mind if people know. People have their own ranks and lists. Like, it's not like it's not like Mahomes is a sleeper in the first. You know what I mean? So I, I'm fine with it. Like, we I'm in a league right now where people are always saying like, oh, I can't believe so and so left on the board. And sometimes it'll be a joke. Sometimes it'll be serious. But like, honestly, like it's you know, I think it's fine. I don't have any problems
1: with it. I'm not okay with it. I know Mitch is okay with it.
3: Yeah. So really funny you brought up Pat Mahomes. In my most recent startup, someone got pissed. And called someone else a slime ball in the chat because they said Mahomes should be the 101. And like he was pissed about it. It's I'm like ADP. Exactly. ADP. <laughs> I think the people that are against Table Talk are the ones that showed up with their magazine 10 years ago. They're like, I have all the information right here and nobody knows. But dude, it's the 21st century. You should expect everyone to have an idea of like, oh hey, no one's picked Ezekiel Elliott yet. Like it'll be okay. What does it matter if someone brings someone up? Like, I'll bring people up all the time. It's not anyone that I want to draft, but that's kind of the whole point behind it.
1: I don't think it's a big deal, maybe in the first round, but let's say you get into the seventh or eighth round or or whatever round later on, and there's a player you've had your eyes on and he's not up there in terms of ADP. So the people that rolled in with their magazine from 1999, he wasn't on the radar. But now, Mitch, you opened up your big mouth and boom, that's now, right. Jam- now Jamison Crowder is is on somebody's board and they weren't before. I'm not okay with that. Why? The, the hat's sliding back <laughs> further and further. And you guys can see my shaved head that's just completely butchered. No, because it was somebody that wasn't on the radar, but now because it's been brought to their
3: attention and some people don't go into startups prepared. You all know that. So why couldn't you bring up people that you don't like? So. Like, I'm not, let's say, a big, huge Mike Williams guy, right? I'm like, hey, Mike Williams ADP says he should be going in the eighth round, but I bring him up in the seventh being like, oh, you know, I can't believe Mike Williams is there. It works Now both you're getting ways. into, like,
1: reverse psychology almost. Oh, Which
3: now, is like, the whole point behind but, but, it. Like, it should yeah. just be allowed.
0: It's like, but, like, if you actually really wanted a player, if someone's, like, bringing it up, they probably don't think very highly of that player because they didn't want him. So it's a difference of opinions. Like, you think it's value. They think that player's bad. They Mm -hmm. put it out there. Maybe that player is good. Maybe that player is bad. No one knows, right? But it's like, it's a lot of mind games being played. And I'm always, I love trash talk and I love mind games. So that's like a pretty appealing aspect of the game. Exactly.
1: Now, I've gotten to the point where, Mitch, you know, especially last offseason, there were some leagues where I didn't necessarily rub everybody the right way and I didn't make friends (laughs) in every league. But, you know, throughout this offseason, there have been a lot of situations where there has been table talk. And I've bit my, I've bit my tongue and I keep saying, you know, 2019 John was a little more confrontational 2020 John. He's a little more relaxed until he gets a few white claws in him and then all bets are off. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm just against it. Dan, you've been quiet. Yay or nay for table talk. Eh,
2: I'm indifferent. I, I try to keep up with you guys. Honestly, this phone blows up so much during the day. Like I don't, I, I could barely <laughs> keep up. So I'll go with the nay just to, you know, to, hopefully my phone will blow up a little <laughs> bit less.
1: All right. Now these last two, they're not as controversial. Well, actually no, one of them might be now they're not specific to startups. So Mike, you and I were messaging in the, the group me or the, you know, whatever other platform we're using, whatever chat app. And you say, Hey, John, are you interested in the one Oh three for, you know, Josh Jacobs, whoever. And I say, yeah, yeah. Send it through. That's good. You send it through. I go, ah, no, you know what, Mike, I'm going to, I'm going to back out here. Is that okay?
0: No, that those people that's the worst. I can't I can't stand that. And once I find there's that guy in every single league, and once I find that guy, I no longer talk trades with them. I'm like, hey, you got an offer? Send it. I'll respond then. If I like it, I'll take it. If I don't, I won't. And I just I just stop doing it because like I feel like whenever someone does a trade with me and I say, Yeah, like send it, I'm ready to accept. I'm not gonna like try and like squeeze them for an extra penny or whatever, because I'm trying to build long term trade relationships, right? Like I feel like in most of my leagues, I'm one of the most active traders. I generally don't back out of deals. So I think for me, it's like, that's like such a short term, short sighted way of thinking. And you lose trade partners that way. And I just Mm -hmm. don't, I don't like it.
1: Now, let me ask you this. Let me, so another situation you and I are messaging and I'm spitballing. I'm just throwing ideas out there, We'll we'll see what we like. We'll see what sticks. And, you know, I let, you know, I'm just spitballing. So nothing's Mm -hmm. concrete. And then one of the, the trade offers i say you go yeah that might work and i go hey now i changed my mind about that one is that a little different for you or does that fall in line with the same thing
0: i mean maybe it's a little different but like you're you're still just kind of like why throw out an offer if you're not willing to send it that's like my thing you know like if i'm if i say something i'm willing to act on it and i think that's like the best way to trade in my opinion
1: Two years ago, I did that to Mitch, and he actually brought that up recently. And I'm like, he, he remembered the exact players. I'm like, how do you remember? Like, He probably screenshotted it, hanging up on his fridge as inspiration to attempt to beat me in a league.
3: And how John explained it isn't remotely close to how it happened. He was like, hey, I have Todd Gurley. Would you trade, you know, trade me this for him? I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, no, wait. I want to ask for more. And I was pissed. Oh, I was so pissed. I'm like, wait. And then he went and trained for something that I didn't value as highly. But I mean, he could have, you know, it was probably apples and oranges. But I was just like, really? I still remember that to this day, though.
1: Oh, somebody, uh, somebody hacked my phone. I think I would have never.
3: No, right, my phone, never. Uh,
1: Mike, last one for you here. I send you an offer. You don't like it. You put it on blast in the group chat. Is that Okay.
0: Sometimes it is, man. But I, I, I usually don't say who it is. Like is. Uh, I'll just like – because sometimes it's just like comical. Like I, I've tweeted this one the other day. Someone literally sent me this trade. They said – they offered me the 16th round startup for my 12th round startup. He says, hey, I noticed you didn't have a 16th round pick, so do you want one?
3: <laughs> hey, that's brilliant. <laughs> he, that. he was doing you a favor. That's <laughs> a
1: good idea.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. So like when it's like ridiculous, it is. But most of the time, I just keep it to myself. and It's like I just laugh it yeah. off.
1: Yeah, you talk about building relationships with league mates. That is one way I don't mind it because for the most part, I think I come in pretty fair with my initial trade offer. But yeah. there have been situations I Dan, you and I, we had a big disagreement. I talk about him all the time. Austin Hooper. And it was a tight end premium league. And you shot me over one probably one of the worst offers I've seen <laughs> in quite some time. So I jump in the in the league chat and I might've had a few white claws that night. I don't know, but <laughs> you, you and I, we were going at it for the most part though. I, I don't like to do it just because I think it does ruin relationships potentially, yeah. but if it's like Mitch or Dan, I'll put you on blast whenever I can.
0: Yeah. It's you got to be with people, you know, right. It's got to be like one of yeah. those friendly trash talking leagues where like they know you're kind of doing it in jest. And, you know, honestly, like most of the time, if you're sending out a trash offer, you probably know you're sending out a trash offer. So exactly. It's not like, it's yeah. not like a
2: mind blowing thing.
1: Dan, are you okay with me putting your offers on blast in the chat?
2: Sometimes. I I, I have done it to you. I know I've done it to you. Uh, We have fun. We got some good leagues there, man, Uh, have some fun with each other. So without a doubt, it's good in those cases. I think the only time I ever really comment on those is it breaks your heart sometimes when someone makes a trade and you know if they just reached out to you, you would have given them so much more. They're the painful ones. They're the ones where I might put a little comment on there to hopefully educate that person for the future.
1: I think it's important to
2: shop players
1: around, especially if you had Todd Gurley in 2018 and somebody edged out Mitch's offer. I think that's
3: very important. All
1: right, Mike, I look at the clock here over an hour in this hour absolutely flew by. Let people know where to find you, what you're working on throughout the offseason.
0: Yeah. It's, thanks. Thanks again for having me back on, by the way. Just like, I love what you guys are doing on the show. Just like I've been listening to you guys forever now, like ever since I started. So super awesome to get to chat with everyone here. Um, I mean, you can just find me on Twitter and me up with two Ps. And um, I'm host co-hosting uh, something we call bunk bed breakdowns, which is a dynasty show over at uh, BDG fantasy. So big dogs fantasy. And then we just put out our rookie guy, which is like a live interactive um, website document thing so we'll probably put, be posting like rankings and updates uh you can get that one of those at bigdogsdraftguide.com but that's pretty much it what i'm working on
1: well again we appreciate you coming on absolute blast i think this is a very fun episode a lot of uh jabs thrown here and there uh, to the listeners thank you for tuning in don't forget to catch our live draft show which will start at 7 p.m eastern standard time on thursday april 23rd we'll have some great guests pop in throughout the night Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Have a great
2: night.